0: Father, we thank you, Lord, that your work was not over in that day on a road called Emmaus, but today you've set a straight path through the work of Christ. And today as I teach your word, O God, would you send the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth, to be the defender of a faith, that we laid before you at the cross. And Lord, as I come this morning, I know that there are many in the congregation who hurt, who last night was battered with fear, and today truth gets the opportunity to make them free from fear and from pain and from division. Lord, you alone have given us hope. We stand upon the rock who is Christ and the word that will outlive heaven and earth. In the name of Jesus we pray because there's no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved. Amen. Amen. Good morning church. I am excited to be here and share and teach the Word of God. And um, If you have your Bible with you, if not, if you have a device, if not, then we will put it on the overhead in front of you. How's that? There's multiple ways we can get the Word of God in front of you. How's that sound? Amen. A few weeks ago, I taught on the Shield of Faith. And there has been a tremendous response, not only within the church, but outside by way of podcast. And God has continued to just bring that up, and so I want to spend some more time in Ephesians 6 today. And if you were ever in a VBS somewhere, you probably learned about the armor of God. In fact, my daughter Hope this year was um, with her friends, and they were learning about the armor of God, so... If we're not careful, we may learn a song or we may learn how to say this and put it on. But to bring it in proper context of Scripture, the armor of God is the work that Jesus Christ did in the earth to defend you in your faith for Him. So this is Him at work. It's not so easily or readily, it's not superstitious It's not easily applied just because you say it. It's applied by your faith in Him. He is your armor. You will never be more complete than when Jesus Christ and the Father are in front of you or in between you and your situation. Whether it be, doesn't matter. Any affliction of life, if you find yourself without the whole armor of God, we will have all found ourselves in a position to be hurt in a way that Christ does not want us hurt. Amen. So if you would uh, please read with me as we go back to Ephesians 6. We'll be in verse 10 through 17. I'm going to pull out one particular part of the armor and begin to teach on that for the rest of the service. I will be brief. Verse 10, finally. He uses the word finally here, and I think it's remarkable. With all that he had said to the Ephesian church, he uses the word finally. He's about to sum up what finally matters most in this battle they are in. So he uses the word finally, my brethren. He speaks to brothers, those who are of like faith to him. He's not speaking to the unbeliever here. He's speaking to brethren. He wants you to be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. So how do we do that? In the power of his might. That's God's might. We will never be strong outside of God's strength given to us. Put on the whole armor of God. I'm going very slow, very expository style for a reason. I want us to get all of these verses and then as I begin to apply truth back in in context of Scripture. Put on the whole armor of God. As I said early on, without the whole armor, we will find ourselves in a position of attack in different parts of what Christ delivered to you. Now, keep in mind, it's not just about you. This is about an armor that God is protecting the faith of Christ in the earth today. You are the body if you are a believer, if you are born again. But he wants you to have the whole armor. No military man. If today I was in Afghanistan, and please be praying for all of that's going on around the world. We have men and women in a natural way in military who are by our president, who is commander-in-chief, sent into the battle. We want to be praying for our leaders, the president, all of those who are making decisions, and we want to pray for the military men and women who are being sent around the world. Amen? And I think with that in mind today, we need to kind of take that thought, the fact that they leave home, that they could be assaulted, more than likely will be aggressed and chased by an adversary, knowing that if we look at that, And then begin to look at our faith in Christ as being a battle because that's what the Bible said it is. It's a fight of faith for you. So there's going to be, by the word of God, a way to defend your faith. And so I could ask you some questions here. You don't have to answer openly. How are you doing at defending faith? Maybe recently have you found yourself in a particular battle. If not, maybe there's been times in your life that there were patterns that your adversary, notice the scripture says it's your adversary, not God's. It's your adversary, the devil. And he will get a pattern. If I was going to attack and I was a natural military man, I was in Afghanistan, I would first want, if I had experience, I would want to make sure all of the troops behind me had at least basic training. And then beyond that, I would want to take the younger who have never been in battle and instruct them on what tactics the enemy likely will use on them. That I have maybe seen those that I fought with suffer death or otherwise because of a lack of defense. Are you with me? Let's make this real practical. And so they're going to a natural battle. I wouldn't commit somebody in that uh, condition to a battle that I thought they would get killed in. Otherwise, I would come home with tremendous guilt knowing as the commander or leader or squad leader that I just committed somebody to a battle knowing they likely would die. That would be horrendous for me as a leader. But as a pastor of a church, sometimes it's that way. As a father in a home, you know, my children are going to face all the elements of the world, but in some ways I get to choose when they enter battle. Amen? As a father, there are many ways I can cover. I can protect. I can teach. I can help. And, man, I couldn't be more proud of my children I hear them defending the faith in a very engrafted, meek way in the Lord. And Hannah comes home this week, and I use one of the children every week. Amen. But she had been ministering to one of the kids. She was gone for three or four days into Kentucky to the FFA convention. And one of the children she is able to share the gospel with on a born-again experience. And it was a little heated, but I am so proud. She is learning how to not only defend her faith, but then multiply and give truth to some of those that she cares the most about. Amen. And so she is in the battle. Amen. And uh, now, at a younger age, I may not have won her in this particular type of situation. There are times that I would have said, no, not so much, you know. And as the little children are growing up, Daddy wants to teach. I also want to let you get. But I certainly don't want your faith directly hindered where you won't pick up your armor again and go to work. So, okay, let's, let's continue to read, church. Put on the whole armor of God, in verse 11, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. No question. I love it about God, one thing, in these verses. He tells you all about how the devil's going to try to do this. God has so much confidence that he can tell you what the devil's going to try to do to you. Does the devil have that much confidence to tell you what God would like to do with you? No. Are you with me? But God has so much confidence in what he's able to do in the work of Christ as your armor, he tells you what he's going to do. And he wants you to stand, verse 12. For we wrestle, notice that this battle is like wrestling. And the reason he uses the word wrestle, I believe, is because it's one-on-one combat. It's one-on-one. If you get to wrestle, it's your adversary, the devil. He's wrestling with you individually, not with the whole church. But the protection for you, and is at the end of this service, we'll have not only an invitation for all who want to respond to the word, but some are, are afflicted in a way that we want to bring them forward and pray for them, whether it's in their body, it's in their life, there's something going on. We want to ask them to come right to the front because guess what? The whole army, the whole church gets to get around them. And then as you begin to worship at the end of this service, during the invitation, I'm asking you now before we ever get there, I want you to worship in a way for every person that comes to the front of the church. Amen. Amen. And I want you to do that in a way knowing that they are here asking for God to defend them, amen, putting him between them and their situation and saying to him, I have no other hope but you, amen. Okay, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against, let's go very slow here, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Those are powerful words. It would take much longer than we have today to talk about those, but they're powerful. How many times in Christianity do you find yourself acting like this doesn't exist? Hmm? That like, yeah, I've got this going on, but these things don't exist. You don't really want to talk about these things. You know what I mean? You don't want to talk about like spiritual wickedness in high places. That's a big word. That's a great big statement. Like spiritual wickedness in high places. is, So the devil's going to use some things. uh, The rulers of the darkness of this world? Really? Like this is, yes. This is what's going on. And I had someone uh, some months ago say, I don't believe in all of that stuff. I said, if I ever took you to a treatment center for just a few months, you would believe in it quickly. I could show you the fruit of where darkness had operated. Totally destroyed the life. Split up the family wrecked generational lives and just causes tremendous hurt, I could show you the fruit of the devil, of this spiritual wickedness. And then I could take you to the house of God. I could take you to the body of Jesus Christ. And I could show you the fruit of Jesus, how all of it is contrary to the work of darkness, how it puts it together. God is always putting together what the devil's broke or tried to steal, or tried to deceive In God is a redeemer. He's a restorer. It doesn't matter where you are. He absolutely is coming to find you. He's able to leave 99, go get one. Now, I can tell you one thing about darkness for sure. After 14 years of preaching in some dark places, once the rulers of darkness have led somebody into this trap of destruction, nobody's coming to help you there. When you, they get to jail, none of them have friends anymore. In fact, they'll be stealing their artifacts at home, selling them off and doing whatever. And the truth of the matter is, Jesus Christ stands alone. He's the rock of the ages. It's the word of the truth of the true gospel. And Jesus Christ is the only way. And there's no one that comes to the Father but by Him. Amen. Okay, we've got to go or else try to preach. Verse 13. Wherefore... Take to you, here he goes again, the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against an evil day. And then having done all to stand, stand. Having your loins, now this is where I'm going to be teaching, girt about with truth. It's the belt. And I think we've got a picture of the, here we go. Having your loins girt about with truth. Your loins girt about It's called the belt of truth. Now, I know this looks pretty childlike, but as you begin to look at this picture, this is the truth. This isn't some superstitious, I can't sing a song and get this to happen. This is embraced by faith through the work of Jesus Christ. He delivered to us truth. He delivered to us a breastplate of righteousness to defend your righteousness in Him. Amen. Amen. He also give you a helmet of salvation. That's all the work of Jesus. Above all, the shield of faith. This is the faith. I know this. Okay, let's keep going. And having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith. You shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay. Woo. Now, I want to deal with the the belt of truth, and here's why. I've for a couple of weeks been soaking in quietness before God. And when I say that, it means just what I said. I've been soaking in quietness before God. I've done very little talking, and a whole lot of listening. In quietness before God. Part of that is that I have an opportunity to minister in two weeks from now, two messages, and I want it to be very clear and concise on what God wants to say to the people. And number two, I want to be very clear on what God needs to adjust as I examine myself always to see if I be in faith examining yourself. Amen. Do you get used to doing that yourself? It's a great posture to be in. So after you've maybe moved ahead in whatever it may be, it could be your job, your family, big decisions, maybe you're looking at buying a home, even a vehicle. Uh, Maybe it's a spiritual move and God has asked you, the Holy Spirit's prompted you, or maybe you're in repentance. It's always a great thing to get in uh, a posture of examination. But for me, this requires a time of quietness. A time you may not see me as much. It's a couple of weeks like Moses needs to go to the mountain and hear from the Lord. Amen. I have to go there not only as a pastor but as a father, as a husband. I need to be quiet until God really by the Holy Spirit confirms where we are. He is my barometer. He lets me know when storms are coming. He lets me know when sun is about to shine in a way you've never seen it. He is a wonderful barometer for not only life, but eternal life. And so as I've said in quietness, God just begin to just rest in my own heart, just begin to rest the truth of the Word of God. And I want to be very clear about this. Uh, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Again, you don't have to answer. You could write them down. I hope you'll have a pen. I will have some other verses of Scripture that I'll be teaching as we close here in just a little bit. But the truth is the belt of truth. Having your loins girded, he called it. Loins girded. When you think of loins, you think of a strength that comes out of the loins of a noble beast. I could take you to a horse that looks like he's gentle, but I can assure you in the loins of this horse is strength you may not be aware of. Amen. They can run through a fence. They can jump over. I mean, they can literally pull a car, a trailer, hooked together backwards down a driveway they can cause an unbelievable wreck we would call it a wreck when a horse wrecks it's bad but this noble beast really has strength within its loins now first Peter said that you could gird up the loins of your mind and so as we begin to focus even though this belt is around the midsection of the one who is armed it's intended for the mind and so truth settles in the mind. Truth settles itself in a place that's able to give you peace beyond your understanding. Have you ever had the truth stabilize you? I mean, in a natural way, one doing battle would find their self strong because they literally need to stand. Have you ever seen a belt go around somebody because your back's been hurting and you need to buckle it up real tight. And so, boy, he said, my back's been hurting. And so they bring to work the next day a great big wide belt. You know what I mean? Or they've been bending over a lot. And pretty soon they're just like strapped it real tight because it, it strengthens the loin of the, the one who's there. And that's what's going on with this belt in a literal way. It's strength giving you strength as you stand with a shield of faith in front of you. But look at this, church. Are we doing that? When you get in the midst of a battle and it begins to weary you, do you find that truth, the truth of the Word of God is what is strengthening you? I'm just asking the question. Is your first place you go the Bible? Do you find for yourself, like gold out of the ground, a nugget of truth that can cause you to kind of pull the belt a little tighter? You know what I mean? I mean, as they buckle, as you buckle the belt of truth, I'm just applying my own practical notion, is truth on one side and the sincerity of your heart on the other? And as you pull that thing tight, do you put the buckle in a loop and say, God has said this and I found it in the Word of God? And has truth persuaded you that God can do this? Has truth done it? Has truth then sanctified an emotion? I mean, after all, in my first prayer, I said on the road of Emmaus, they had just had the the Scriptures taught to them clear back to Moses. Their understanding was totally enlightened. And what happens? They said, our heart's burning within us. Do you think that meant they just stand there? I've had my heart burn within me. I couldn't wait to get it out. It's like Jeremiah, fire shut up in the bones. You ever get, and John the Baptist said, there's one who comes after me who's mightier than I am, whose shoes I can't stoop down and latch. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then God does this to the fire. His fans in his hand. Are you with me? That's not to cool you off. That's to make you hotter. What do you think the wind does to a fire? Amen. Gets you hotter. But I want to make sure that we're hot on the foundation of the truth of the word of God. Why are we a church? If I ask you top three reasons you visit a church in America. What are the top three reasons that people visit churches throughout America? Number one, maybe, and this is not in any particular order. Maybe one, they like the charisma of the preacher. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. Number two, the music. Wrong answer. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it because it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. You know the whole armor. It's all about you. So timely. Is truth settling us? After all, we know that you can be persuaded. So are we teaching? Do we teach by persuading people? Or by teaching do we persuade Let me say it again. Do we teach by persuading them first? Or by teaching solid rock truth, let the heart of the Christian be totally persuaded, not only in Christ, but in the very body God sets them in? Has truth done it? At times I say during the times of of difficulties, uh, whether it be pastoring or at home, it's time for me to pull the belt loop up one notch tighter. That means I get my big boy pants out. Amen. Come on with. Sometimes you put your big boy pants on and find out you're not that big of a boy anyway. Amen. But what I do is I go to the word of God and God will tighten the belt up a little tighter. To, to solidify the truth that he's originally spoken. Throughout the Exodus, they found out there was a thing God originally said to them. What are the promises God has made to you? Has He made promises? The number of promises throughout the Bible are numerous. Are you grabbing any of those promises while you're being afflicted by an adversary? Are you able to tighten it like a belt around your midsection while you hurt? Is truth becoming the stability for your battle? Surely not your emotions surely we wouldn't try to persuade someone and then call that proper teaching. But we will teach the Word of God and let you stand on it. And as you stand, we will stand with you on the Word of God. That God is true and cannot lie. Everything the devil said is a lie. That's the difference between them. But as you find truth in the Word of God, I hope you're digging up nuggets, grasping the nugget of the Word of God. One verse, if that's what it takes, is always enough. And even if you find your faith crippled as you pray around the throne of God, don't you know that I respond quickly to my children when they're afflicted and when they're hurt? And even the crippled faith of the child of God is quickly responded to by a father full of compassion and full of truth. He's the one that moves quickly toward the one. So today you may say my faith has been crippled. I have been tricked by the adversary. The difference between a a Christian and a hypocrite is the hypocrite only cares what they look like to somebody else. But the saint is sorrowful for the times that the devil can deceive them and trick them. But the difference in the Christian is they always respond to the voice of Jesus. He always knows who they are. And they always follow Him. They'll always be following Him. The hypocrite's just sorry that someone caught them. Amen. Your loins girt. Are we teaching by persuading people? If you came for the music, you came for the wrong reason. If you left because of the music, you left for the wrong reason. If you came for a charismatic preacher, you came for the wrong reason. But if you came for the word of God to be taught to you, you came for the right reason. If you believe that God places you in this body, it's because your vision is as clear as what's being presented by the Word of God and God puts you here and then fitly frames you and lets you identify who you are in Him and then arms you with the whole armor armor of the faith of Christ and our objective becomes one that says we will stand upon the Word of God, what it says we will say and its in definition will be our definition. Then you've come for the right reason. But if we try to move by emotion and by preferences on all sides, whether it be by teaching, it could be anything you want to choose, we have moved the wrong direction as a church, and I say to you, we will not move that direction. We will always be moving on the truth of the rock of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Truth and error are the very same thing to one who is ignorant. After all, you could go to your workplace, you could go among friends who have no knowledge of the truth of Jesus Christ. And error is just the same as truth to them. They know no difference. You could have conversation where you're trying to be persuaded by good thoughts, even reasonable things that are said. But if it's not the Word of God that is then buckling you for strength in this season, you'll find yourself quickly persuaded by emotion and conversation. But if you seek out the Word of God and see what is true and say, I will stand there and this is what it says, it's what I say, it gives you a solidarity in the battle. Do you find yourself ever in a situation at work where you just almost can't say anything because you're not sure what to say? You're not sure how to defend this? Is it driving you back to the word of God? Amen. Gold and gravel are the same thing to a fool. Because he never researches what's inside the bag. If I gave you a bag full of gravel and told you it was gold, and you never opened the bag, you would celebrate all your life as though you had bags of gold. But you see, the Bereans were more noble than this. When the preacher preached, they went back and checked out everything that he said. And I would challenge you, not to be entertained by preaching, but to go back home. I'd love to hear from every one of you in a given week to say, Pastor, I went home and I studied what you taught. And I have some questions here. Let's sharpen one another. Let iron sharpen iron. Let God solidify the truth of the Word of God in us as we move forward. Let Him do this in a way that we're able to defend, where you can begin to, with meekness, begin to contend for the faith that's delivered to you. You, Because the only angry person in a conversation is the one who's not sure of what they believe. As a pastor, I want to help equip you with the Word of God. It's what the Bible said they do. They equip you with the Word. I had a conversation this week and I said, I don't mind talking about all this, but I want to equip you with the word. Like, I want to agree with you on what the Bible says, what God's word says. That's where we need to stand. That's how we pull up your strength. That's how we buckle you in the center and get you strong enough so you'll put the shield of faith back in its rightful position. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul wrote and said, The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust, they will heap to themselves teachers having an itching ear, a tickled ear. Heap to themselves. Heap. Heap them. So, a people, Paul says, it's coming, and because of their lust, they are going to heap to themselves. Not a few, a heap of teachers. Have you ever seen a heap of teachers? like a heap of anything, a huge demonstrative heaping of teaching. And what the people that are hearers will be saying to the teacher is tickle my ear. Huh? Tickle my ear. And watch what happens in verse 4. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth. The best way to get people turned away from truth is tickle. You see it? I mean, I, I'm being bombarded this day and age with not so much from like a bra, other teachers. There's all these great ways now you're supposed to teach the Bible. I think just teach the Bible. I'm going to teach the Bible. What Paul said here, I'm going to teach you. And they shall be turned to fables. Truth gets turned to a fable when those asking for a tickling get tickling rather than truth. When we're tickled rather than truthful with one another, we're not true friends. And any true pastor, any true friend will tell you truth. There's no strength for your life in the midsection unless truth has become that strength. Error, this kind of error will make for you in one conversation, in one conversation, as many roads to heaven, as scripture says, there are ways to hell. It will have tickled itself, put truth at a distance, and in one conversation, you'll find yourself in a break room, and everyone's saying, I think everybody's going to heaven. You see how quickly it comes? And you find yourself in this position. Reasoning with those not standing on the truth, but with a tickling, heaped up teachers tickling every part of their life. Wow. Jesus Christ said in the 14th chapter of John, Jesus said, I am the way And I am the truth. And nobody comes to the Father but by me. Isn't that wonderful? There is no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved. He bridged a a gap between us and God. From the distance of man could never approach God. Without the truth working in our hearts, setting us free from the affliction of our life, truth makes you free. If you find that you've been in bondage and you know the enemy's worked a certain pattern over and over in your life, truth makes you... Hold on. Makes. Doesn't ask you. Truth doesn't say... Excuse me, the door is open. Would you like to come out? Once truth is heard, once truth is found, this pearl, everything else is irrelevant and every gate that hell had put in front of you has now been opened because the Holy Spirit has unlocked the doors of bondage because a sinner has then come to the knowledge of the saving grace of the only truth ever known to mankind and that was by the blood work of the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave walked 40 days in the earth then ascended into heaven sits at the right hand of God where when you believe God receives you as him in his righteousness and his atoning work God does in you what you couldn't do for yourself and Jesus was the only one that could bridge the gap to get you with God and now the Holy Spirit is like a bloodhound from heaven looking for everywhere and everyone who will believe the truth of the gospel and then respond to that in their faith, in their circumstance, so He that is God can arm them with the work of Jesus Christ. And this is the ordinary work of the gospel for a saint in the earth today who has the royal bloodline of one man from one cross that brings together one body by one faith, one Lord and one baptism. There's no one like our God. Nobody like the Christ that's ever been raised from the grave. He stands alone. We preach His truth. He is the oak in the forest of humanity. And I push trees for a living and I'm closing. And I find out that some trees are easier to push than others. You can go to a great big old a hedge tree. You know what a hedge tree is? It's a real roughly little thing. They planted them back after the, uh, after the uh, dust bowl. They planted them in, I mean, every tree line almost had hedge trees planted on them. These are huge trees. They stretch out. They're very adaptable to our area. They're very made for our climate. They grow very well. One of the top growers in our area... But a hedge tree is very easy to push. A hedge tree has these roots that are only about this far beneath the ground and they go out like this and boy, you can get the biggest hedge tree and I could just barely cut a root right here and just go up the dozer and it just, I just lay him right over. It's really impressive. But I'll tell you what's not so easy is I come up to an oak tree and he's not even a third of the size. He may only be this big around. I know one thing and that tree knows one thing. I'm going to have to do some digging to get to the bottom of his taproot. And boy, it can be frustrating for me as an operator. Well, I'm really digging on this oak tree, you know, to get him out. And it takes some digging. You've got a pile of dirt on one side. Pretty soon you get up you're trying to shove him over and you've got to watch out because a root all so big when he rolls over, if you don't back out of the way, he's going to lift your dozer off the ground. And it teaches me so much about being rooted and grounded in the truth of the Word of God and how deep our roots can really go and at times what kind of storm actually topples us. And I think it's wonderful that if the storm doesn't get you out of the ground, all it does is loosen the roots so your roots get bigger. And I love that about the storm. I'm not dissatisfied that you're going to... The Bible said in this life you will have trouble. A storm's coming from the west and I always love to push from the east because there's the least amount of roots. It's stronger on the west because it's faced storms its whole life that direction i'm saying this morning that we need our roots to go deeper in the truth of the word of god in the house of god so that god can solidify the bible itself to be stood on by the saints and nothing else it's all secondary to the first thing we believe the word of god so i ask the lord now as we begin to go into a time of invitation would you buckle our belt a little tighter when it comes to truth amen And Lord, let us believe in the times of despair and the times of affliction for the truth. Let us contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. Do you know that as you apply faith to your circumstance, that you put God between you and it? And anything coming to you has to come through Him first? And if we read very long, we find out he's big enough to take care of it. Amen. And so as we do this invitation, I'd like to... You don't have to stand. If you don't want to, you don't have to stand. If you do want to stand, I want to ask you to stand. I would like to ask you to respond if right now you believe that God is asking you in the area of the truth of the Word of God to find that nugget. Maybe you're saying, Pastor... I'm really finding myself hopeless. I'm not sure what the future holds, and it could be for multiple reasons. But I need the truth. I need a nugget from the ground of the Word of God. I need the truth to hold me when I'm not sure. I want the truth of the Word to hold me above, and as thankful as we are for doctors, I want my first settled truth to be in the Word of God that there is a verse of Scripture that God gives me. I'll never forget it. 2 Kings chapter 4, the Shunammite, and her son had died, and she said, it shall be well. It shall be well. And my wife and I hung on to that in a time of affliction, even with Hopi. And I'm telling you, night after night, this father got up in the middle of the night and held this 18-month-old baby, and I prayed over her every night, and I took her in front of the church, and I never said a word. I just held her up before God. And I knew then, I'd held on to that word that said, It shall be well. This lady said it concerning a dead child. And then here we've got the man of the Lord comes back and raises a child from the dead. It was well. God had heard the cry of her heart, but she stood in the place of the Word of God and it will take us realizing we've got a fight on our hands and without God we can't do this and He doesn't want you laying night after night full of fear, not knowing where your life's headed, but wants to give you the solidarity of the rock to stand on to say, I go and prepare a place for you. I've gone ahead of you. Amen. So I do ask you to stand to your feet. If you want to stay seated, you may. I would like to invite, I've asked, I've asked Brother Bill and Rosalie if they would come up. And Brother Bill has a doctor's report this week that we want to stand with Brother Bill. We're going to stand on the Word of God. Right, church? So when you start worshiping in just a minute, you are worshiping with all who come. And, and anybody can come. If you are just here and you say, look, Pastor, I have been moved by different you know things I liked and didn't like, but I'm hearing it today, and I want to be moved solely on the truth of the Word of God. I recognize the pastor you're going to teach the word of God, regardless, it will be our first truth always it, where it speaks, we speak, and I'm going to respond to God in this thing, and I want you to come forward maybe whatever you're dealing with, bring it to the Lord I want amen, I want you to come up and we're going to, as you worship you're worshiping with them, huh? Some of the military men said some of their worst days was the day they left on a chopper. And they said, when I looked back, I was most sorry that I was leaving my friends in battle. It wasn't that I didn't want to go home, but I didn't want to leave them there. One man said my whole squad was completely wiped out not but a few weeks after I left that military engagement. So let's stand today around a throne as we worship at the end of this service, saying to God, God, we stand with all who come for your support. We stand on the Word of God. And then let's find some promises. You see those gathered around here this morning? Anybody can come. But as they're here, I hope that God will inspire each of you and you send or write to them or give to them or call them with a scripture of truth. Our reasoning will never work. But the Word of God can be stood upon. Amen.